The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Michael Graff Show. Hello. How come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open the back part and I pee in there so that when you flush, pee come out. You know why? Because I'm smart. I'm smart, you stupid. Michael Graff. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, yeah? That's right. One in ten support D's nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And you're an idiot. Ah! At the tone, the time will be 26 Railroad. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, that's what gay is? Oh, yeah, I could totally get into that. The following program is in the hands of a guy whose professional and personal lives are about as depressing as the idea of Donald Trump with access to the nuclear codes. From his exile in the urban desert, it's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Waiting for the dancing bears to come out. Man, this thing is a circus. Rod Sterling could not have written a better episode or a better series of Twilight Zone episodes than this. This is outrageous, what's happening. 2018 America. It is... It's a weird place. It's a weird time in history. I really wonder how history books are going to look back at this time in our country. I have a feeling it's not going to be all that flattering, but I don't know. Anyway, welcome in. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on a Wednesday, July 18th, 2018. Contact information for the program, Show at gmail.com. It's Show at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address for your most generous contributions to this program. Thank you to all of you that donate to us and help keep the old show going, and uh, really do appreciate that. Um, Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter, The Michael Groff Show on Facebook, and for everything else Michael Groff related, it's the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. My voice is a little bit haggard tonight because I just... I, I think I've been yelling at uh, news stories and the TV. I'm finding myself getting stressed out stressed out about this stuff again. My blood's starting to boil a little bit. You know, the last several years, my stress level has really gone down. I don't get worked up about a whole lot of stuff. I'm a pretty low drama kind of dude. Uh, I actually really like it that way. I, I don't get fired up about a lot of this stuff anymore like I used to. I mean, you listen to some of my old shows... And it, it used to just be rant after rant on this stuff. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that are important, uh, because there are. There are things that are going on right now that are crucial. I mean, really serious uh, national security and just sociological things that are happening that are important, that sort of tie the fabric of things together. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to dismiss any of that. Um, I try to look at it from a comedic angle because, well, because that's what I like to do here. And I like to just look at things, Not, and this isn't just about politics, this is about the world in general. You know, I like to try and find uh, a humorous aspect of things, because it's just much easier that way. Uh, but lately, I've been finding myself getting pretty fired up about a lot of stuff, and it's probably not all that healthy. Um, but there are some people that get fired up about literally everything. 
And let me just give you an example. So this week we had the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Very clearly on Monday, well, Monday was the home run derby. All right. So let me just address this real fast. Yes, it was pretty obvious that they sort of uh, bend the rules a little bit in favor of Bryce Harper so that he would win. I'm not too steamed about it, but uh, it did make some headlines on Yahoo Sports and a couple other places. You know what? Look, um, it's not that serious of an offense. And hell, for the people of Washington, D.C., that's about the only championship that Bryce Harper will ever claim for them is a home run champion, a home run derby champion. So great. Uh, You know, let them have that. So people got fired up about that. But then people got fired up when they found out somebody went back through Milwaukee Brewers relief pitcher Josh Hader. They went back through his social media and found that when he was a teenager, he said some pretty inflammatory things. He said some really inflammatory things, as a matter of fact, and some of them were racist as well. And so now uh, he is facing the public ire. He is facing the court of public opinion, and it's not going very well for him. And reporters asked him about it. And so this is what Josh Hader had to say when asked about remarks that he made on his Twitter eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, while he was a teenager. Here you go. You know, there's no excuse for, for what was said. And, um, you know, I'm deeply sorry for what I've said and, and uh, you know, what's been going on. And like I said, it doesn't reflect any of my beliefs going on now. So, yeah, he pretty much just said, look, I'm sorry. It doesn't reflect how I feel now. We have to take him at his word, I suppose. Maybe he still feels that way. Maybe he doesn't. And I'm not trying to defend what he said. There was some pretty bad stuff and there's some racist stuff. And he said some things about gay people. He hates gays and all this. So, you know, there's no real defense for that. Uh, But I will say teenagers and 20-somethings, they don't always understand the consequences of their actions, especially when it comes to the Internet. You know, these are we have to understand this is a new generation of people that's growing up that have had social media their whole lives. And they don't, just like tattoos, people don't understand that what you put on the Internet is permanent. It is a permanent stamp. It's just like a tattoo on your arm, on your hand, on your face. It's out there. Anybody can find it if they're willing to look for it. And um, sometimes if you get a really bad tattoo, it can come back to haunt you. And if you say something really bad on social media, if you post something really bad, maybe you have a radio show and you say something incredibly stupid, it could come back to haunt you. That's the way it works. And so, you know, while he was a dumb teenager, he said dumb teenager things. And I'm not saying that all teenagers say racist stuff or uh, homophobic stuff or inflammatory. Well, almost every teenager says inflammatory things. Come on. I mean, I still say inflammatory things, uh, and I'm 40 years old, uh, and I don't really care at this point. Uh, I'm not going to go out and intentionally say uh, racist or homophobic things, um, but, you know, uh, people are going to say things. People make mistakes, and so you would have thought that this guy just committed the biggest atrocity ever. I mean, he is getting bashed by people, by the media. And I just don't understand. Now, they asked him the context of what he said back seven, eight years ago. And, of course, he doesn't really remember. But here's here's his explanation of that. What was kind of the, the context in which those statements were made? Like, was it intended to be a kind of I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some lyrics, some rap lyrics being tweeted. Um, you know, I really don't know exactly what's all what's all out there. Now, I don't think it was rap lyrics. I don't think there's any rap lyrics that says, I don't like gay people. Maybe there are. I I have no idea. I don't listen to rap. But I would suggest or I would say, I would assert 
that, uh, yeah, he said some bad things and that's how he felt at the time. And maybe he grew up in an area where he didn't encounter a lot of uh, racial diversity and sexual preference diversity or whatever. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. And, you know, yes, he's allowed to have an opinion. Uh, He's also going to face consequences for those opinions as you go through life. That's the way the First Amendment works in this country. You have the freedom of speech. You do not have the freedom from consequences. Um, Now, his teammates, they don't really seem to mind. They they don't care. Um, This is Lorenzo Cain, one of uh, his teammates on the Brewers. He says, not really a big deal. Just talked a little bit. I just trying to understand the situation. He said he was young. You know, we all say some crazy stuff when we're young. Um, You know, um, that's one reason why I don't have social media because you know, for things like this, you know, you always get in trouble for you know things you said when you're younger. So, um, like I said, we move on from it. You know, situation is what it is. I know Hater. You know, he's a great guy. And um, I know he's a great teammate. So, um, like I said, I'm I'm fine. You know, everybody will be okay. We'll move on from this for sure. Exactly. Who cares? You know, now if he says stuff today, then it's a big deal. If he says stuff eight years ago when he's a teenager, let's keep that in mind. And it's so weird that the sports media, and this is the stuff that I'm talking about, how selective people are and what they get fired up about. The sanctimonious sports media goes around and they act high and mighty once again like they've never made a mistake in their entire life. They are willing to persecute a guy and they act as though, oh, we have never done anything wrong. And you know what? Maybe they've never said something racist, but I'm sure they've said something stupid. Almost everybody in the media at some point has said something stupid that they regret. Um, and people probably in their private lives say stuff all the time, you know, but everyone has to act like, oh, I'm, I'm above it. I'm better than you. And here's a direct parallel. The media back in 2009 and 2010, remember how they were with Tiger Woods. And before we go any further, no, I'm not going to defend Tiger Woods. I didn't back then. I'm not going to now. I'm not saying what he did was right. He cheated on his wife. He has a a kid and a wife and what he did was wrong. Okay, but having said that, you had this sanctimonious sports media once again uh, judging Tiger Woods and talking about, oh, I would never do that. What a what a complete piece of garbage. And I would never do. You had these guys in there say, I would never do that. I don't understand. Of course, you don't understand. You don't understand because you have no ability to empathize or sympathize. You have no ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You are a sports writer that makes $30,000 a year, $40,000 a year. You know, you have never been in the lifestyle of a, a professional athlete at the top of their game that's in great shape, that uh, makes hundreds of millions of dollars. You are not in that position. So, and if you were in that position, you would probably, because you're a guy, you would probably be doing the same thing that Tiger Woods did. And, um, you know, and if you're single, who who the hell cares? But if you're married, you probably would be cheating on your wife. Maybe not as blatantly as Tiger did and maybe not in the way he did. What I thought was weird about the Tiger Woods thing was the fact that he didn't just cheat on these chicks, which I think his wife would have been almost kind of sort of okay with. But he tried to form relationships with these women, which was really weird. Like who cheats and then starts relationships with all the women that you cheat with? Like he had like 14 different relationships going on with these women. And it was it was very, very strange. Obviously, he had, you know, some psychological issues, some mommy issues. I don't know, something. But the sanctimonious sportsman, oh, I would never do that. I would never, of course, because you're so much better than Tiger Woods. Yes, of course you wouldn't because you don't, it's not an option to you. Remember, a man is only as faithful as his options. What the, what's the old line? 
you know. And again, not all guys are that way, but a lot of dudes are. A lot of dudes are in that position. If you if suddenly millions and millions of dollars drop in your lap, you would probably have a much different set of circumstances. And that is the truth. And so it was just weird um, watching the media judging this uh, this pitcher, you know, Josh Hader, and uh, and then other people too, you know, just regular folks getting on Twitter and, and crucifying him. And again, it doesn't make what he did right. I know it's going to come across that way, like I'm somehow defending him. I'm just saying, trying to not be quite as judgmental of a prick. Um, and that's me saying that. And I'm I'm the first to admit, I'm a, I can be a judgmental guy too. I'm trying my best not to be as I've gotten older. Uh, I have tried to sort of dial it back and put myself in somebody else's shoes and have a little bit of empathy. Um, you know, sometimes I'm still going to do it. I mean, that's it's the nature of the beast. Um, but it's just weird. Sports media is weird. And it is weird what people will get fired up about. Now, that having been said, Unfortunately, there is something that is pretty noteworthy that's going on right now that is worth getting fired up about. And I don't want to talk about it because uh, when I started to map out this show the other day, Monday morning, I sat down and I said, you know what? I'm going to do another podcast here that's going to be kind of light on the politics. That's my That was my plan going in here. Yeah, we might talk about a little something and, you know, ha ha ha, yuck it up a little bit and then move on. Um, because I know that there's quite a few of you out there that get pretty sick of the politics for various reasons. Some of you have a lot going on in your own lives and you just don't want to hear about it. It stresses you out. Others are in the 24-hour news cycle. You get enough of it from everybody else and you just want to sit down and maybe listen to a show and it's just kind of a little bit more free-flowing and fun and upbeat. Or even if it's not upbeat, it's, it's ranting about something completely different and maybe just something completely meaningless. Who knows? Um, so... My idea here was, yeah, we'll just go kind of light on the politics and we'll talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't know. We'll make fun of the, the pop chart or the music or, you know, maybe we'll do another. We'll find a story about a guy getting stuck in a toilet and run with that for a while. I don't know. We'll come up with something else. Unfortunately, that was my thought process on Monday morning. What has happened over the last 60 hours or so has just made me go, uh, yeah, we got to talk about this because it's unprecedented in American history. I, I mean, of all the things that have gone on over the last few years, and unfortunately, many of them being kind of downers and kind of negative, I mean, we've had a lot of historic things happen in this country over the last several years. And um, I so I kind of figured there's no way that we're going to have anything that noteworthy that's going to cause me to change my whole strategy on this show. Uh, wrong. Wrong. So on Monday, we had Donald Trump meeting in Helsinki with Vladimir Putin. And the rumor was that Donald Trump was going to go over there and, well, the claims, at least from the Trump administration insiders, was, no, he's going to go out there and call out Vladimir Putin for interfering with the election. He's going to talk tough and he's going to tell Vlad exactly how it's going to be, uh, I'm sure. Probably it was more like Donald Trump was going before Vladimir Putin for an employee evaluation, like a review. All right, let's see here. Uh, first of all, let's go over your first year and a half. Um, get out my evaluation sheet here. Uh, this is scale one to five. One is uh, unsatisfactory. Five is excellent. Going to give you four on spreading propaganda via social media. I think you do a very good job at that. Making me very proud. 
following Russian agenda, going to give you four on that one. You're definitely taking your country into a similar uh, route that we do here in Russia. You are doing excellent job at that. So Donald Trump stands up there and pretty much denounces his intelligence agencies. He says there was no collusion. This is actually here. We have some cuts uh, from the press conference. Here is Donald Trump saying no collusion. There was no collusion. I didn't know the president. There's no collusion. He says collusion. No collusion. There was no collusion. Collusion. What kind of an accent? There's no collusion. Let me just say, first of all, there's no collusion. I didn't know the president. I didn't know the president. What's going on with Donald Trump? What's, what's the, what is that accent? I, I didn't know the president, man. I didn't, like, know it, dude. Uh, there was nobody to collude with. There was no collusion with the campaign. And every time you hear all of these, you know, 12 and 14, it's stuff that has nothing to do. And frankly, they admit these are not people involved in the campaign. That's not what they admit at all. That's not what they say at all. These are people that were involved in the campaign. That's actually the exact accusation that's going on here. Jesus, what a what a bunch of horse crap. There's no collusion going on here. That's not what even, they're not even saying that. Quite frankly, they're not saying that at all. Actually, that, that is the whole point. Did you even read the indictment that they have against these 12 guys? They, and my whole position on this entire thing has been, I just want to see the evidence before I'm willing to pile on. Well, there's been a bunch of circumstantial evidence, and, you know, for a while it was a bunch of coincidences, and you might be able to pass a few of those off. And then the, the coincidences got to be the point where it was like, oh, man, I, I, there's no way you can, there's no way all of this just happens to have randomly occurred and then the indictments come out against these 12 russian intelligence folks and in there they talk about their bitcoin usage how they they follow the money they follow their bitcoin transactions their servers that they acquired uh they follow their internet traffic where they went what email systems they hacked into, the fact that they release you know, these emails, then they get these websites, these propaganda pages up and going, they go on Facebook, they go on these social media. It's a whole social engineering deal. And um, you know, these guys, now I'm not saying that they cast votes or cast ballots in the election and got Trump elected directly, but they, there was a, there's social engineering and interference here from a foreign government, and that should be more than enough. And that's exactly what these guys are accused of doing. He's saying, oh, they're not even accused of having anything to do with the campaign. Uh, yeah, they kind of are. That was the whole point. Not only your campaign, they hacked into Hillary Clinton's email, John Podesta's email, the Democratic Party's email, and they, unle they, they released ostensibly the playbook for the Clinton campaign. And your campaign benefited directly from that. Remember, to have a conspiracy, one hand does not have to know what the other hand is doing. And I don't think Donald Trump you know, knew all the nuts and bolts and all the working details. I don't think he was briefed every day on what each individual Russian guy was doing and people in his campaign were doing. I think he just had a general idea that things were on underway and that not all of it was on the up and up. I'm sure he doesn't know all of the workings of how it happened. He's not smart enough to understand that stuff, but he is smart enough to know that he didn't win this on his own and he didn't win it completely fair and square, you know, and 
look, I'm not even saying that the social engineering is how he got elected. Um, I'm not saying that that was the the sole. He may have gotten elected without their help. Maybe doubtful, but maybe who knows? The bottom line is that people participated in illegal actions, violating U.S. law, federal law and international law. So to say when he says that 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 had nothing to do with it, I mean, that's just patently absurd. Anyway, let's continue with this clip because we're going to be here all day if I keep I can't believe this is just unreal to me, though. This is Twilight Zone stuff. But to the average reader out there, they're saying, well, maybe that does. It doesn't. Uh, and even the people involved, some perhaps told misstories, although in one case the FBI said there was no lie. There was no lie. Somebody else said there was. Uh, we ran a brilliant campaign, and that's why I'm president. You know, I'm going to go ahead and agree with that, that very last part. We ran a brilliant campaign. That's why I'm president. I, yeah, you did. You ran a brilliant campaign. And I'm not being ironic or sarcastic when I say yes, I agree. It really was a brilliant campaign. You managed to recruit another foreign government to help in getting you elected. I mean, it was the perfect storm. It really was. So fantastic job. <laughs> you, you have to give it to him on that. I mean, who else in history has ever done that, has ever gone to those lengths? To my knowledge, no one. So that's um, that's pretty incredible. Now, to show that Donald Trump remains very bitter about the 2016 election and about Hillary Clinton. Yes, we're talking about Hillary Clinton because Donald Trump, during this joint press conference with Vladimir Putin, somehow managed to work Hillary Clinton into his repertoire. And here, here's that. What happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? 33,000 emails, gone, just gone. I think in Russia they wouldn't be gone so easily. I think it's a disgrace that we can't get Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails. He's basically defending Russia there, saying, I think it's terrible. He's besmirching the name of a of a former presidential candidate. And I understand he doesn't like Hillary Clinton. And I understand I don't like Hillary Clinton. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like any of these guys. But I don't know if I was the president of the United States that I would be up there and just openly besmirching somebody like that and, and openly putting down our uh, intelligence and openly denying uh, the involvement and, and saying this about our government and about our intelligence. I mean, I have to tell you, that's that's pretty dirty. That's pretty underhanded. And, you know, well, let's continue. Then he talks about Putin's denial. I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's like having the, the fox investigate the, the hen house to see who could possibly be interested in stealing the chickens. Of course, you know, why? Why in the world? <laughs> why not? <laughs> yes, let's have Russia investigate their intelligence officers. Uh, let's have them do that. Let's have them do a joint investigation. Uh, yeah, because that way things could get covered up a whole lot easier if we could just get everybody on the same page and get their story straight. Oh, my goodness. So... So there's that press that, that that's that's context for what I'm setting up next. And that is the quote that everybody has heard now. Um, this is where Donald Trump 
talks about uh, if Russia was involved and whether he thinks Russia was involved. Here it is. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. Well, if you don't see any reason why it would be, that would certainly make sense, given this the context that you've said here. Your entire press conference, this joint press conference, is basically a pat on the back of Russia. See how great Vladimir Putin is? He's even made an incredible offer, a fantastic offer, to help out with our investigation. Isn't that wonderful? He wants to help in, uh, with this investigation into an election that he definitely did not rig. He most certainly did not. I don't see why they, why they would. That's what he said. I mean, that was the entirety. This was like a, a, an hour-long press conference. This was a big deal. So that was Monday. Now we fast forward to Tuesday, less than 24 hours later, and have, having received an absolute excrement storm from the public, from fellow Republicans, and certainly from Democrats. And yes, even fellow Republicans thought that what Donald Trump did on Monday was, at best case scenario, disgraceful. And there were Republicans and Democrats that actually used the word treason. Now, I'm it's not a word that I like to use very often. I have never used the word treason in describing a sitting American president because I don't think any sitting American president has ever committed it. Um, I am definitely leaning in that direction here with Donald Trump. I really am. I, I, I'm not sure. I, you know, look, it's, it's a very heavy accusation and it's a very big deal. People don't understand what treason is, but uh, in terms of, you know, its magnitude and its importance and when you say that, what it really means. But uh, basically, I mean, providing comfort and aid to an enemy. And I, I mean, is there any bigger enemy than somebody that is an imperialist nation that goes out and, um, you know, has attacked and threatened your allies and then has set up a coup, basically, to rig an election, to socially engineer an election in your country? It sounds like it. It's walking the fine line. If it isn't treason, it's right on the border. So anyway, Donald Trump gets this huge storm from a few Republicans, including guys like Newt Gingrich, of all people, criticizing Donald Trump, which I thought was unreal. Even Newt Gingrich, as disgusting and slimy as he is, he was criticizing him. Obviously, the usuals were out there, too, on the Democrat side, Charles Schumer and whatnot. But yet all these guys, uh, look, Lindsey Graham was all over him. So this was a big deal. So he comes back and he completely, well, he partially walks back his comment. Here, this is the probably the most unbelievable thing I had heard to this point yesterday. Here you go. I realize that there is a need for some clarification. Okay. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russia. So just to repeat wow. it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. And the sentence should have been, and I thought I would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. 
sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. Oh, boy, does that ever clarify things. That's got to be the worst excuse I've ever heard by any grown man, even by a child and by a man-child. That is the worst excuse. You know what? Uh, You know, you misunderstood. What I meant to say was wouldn't. Clearly, I misspoke right there. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. So then why would you have this whole press conference where you pat Vladimir Putin on the back? Why would you say all these things? Why would you say you don't see any reason why it would be? Right to Vladimir Putin's face, you said that. He was standing five feet from you and you said that. Then you get back to American soil and you say, so at, at best, you're a coward. At worst, you're a terrible liar. You are a, a just, I mean, a, a horrendous, a tremendous liar. Really, well, quite frankly, one of the best liars I've ever seen in my life. Really, that is, I, I, I can't believe what I heard right there. Now, that would have been the most shocking thing. And just before I was ready to record the show today, that was the most shocking thing. Then... I decided to go get a bite to eat. I come back and I see more breaking news. Donald Trump goes further. Now, he doesn't just say, oh, what I said would, I meant wouldn't. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Then he says, no, I knew all along it was Russia. I've been saying it for a long time. What? Here was Donald Trump just a few hours ago uh, giving an interview to CBS News. This is what Donald Trump said about it now. So you agree with U.S. intelligence that uh, Russia meddled in the election in 2016? Yeah, but, and I've said that before, Jeff. I have said that uh, numerous times no, before. No, you haven't! And uh, I would say that that is true, yeah. But no! you haven't condemned Putin specifically. Do you hold him personally responsible? Well, I would, because he's in charge of the country, just like I consider myself to be responsible for things that happen in this country. So certainly, as the leader of a country, you would have to hold him responsible, yes. What'd you say to him? Uh, Very strong on the fact that we can't have meddling, we can't have any of that. Now, look, we're also living in a grown-up world. Will a strong statement, you know, President Obama supposedly made a strong statement, nobody... No, he's bringing up Obama! Uh, President Obama, first of all, I just want to say, President Obama, got to throw other people under the bus. This guy, I, it is unbelievable, his response. Well, no, I did. I said, we can't have meddling. You look, listen, you get, well, of course, we can't have meddling now. You got, he already, look, the, the horse is already out of the barn, man. Of course, he doesn't need to meddle anymore. You're already the president of the United States. I mean, he's going to have to meddle again in 2020. But, and boy, is he ever going to have to. But some people are going to have to die. Between now and 2020, um, you're going to have to kill off like 90% of the Democrats out there. It's going to have to be left to Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton uh, if you'd have a chance to win. Hell, not even Joe Biden. He would beat you. Hillary is the only person that absolutely cannot beat you. There is no way that she can win. Um, But other than that, I I can't see anybody that you uh, you would beat right now. Of course, I keep saying that, and yet his poll numbers continue to go up. Although, actually... Uh, just looking right now, his Rasmussen numbers have gone down. The latest Rasmussen poll is out, and Donald Trump has slipped to a 44% approval rating, which gives me a little hope for humanity, but still, that's 44% too high. Uh, his disapproval rating is at 54%. Those who strongly approve of his job performance, 31%. And those who strongly disapprove, 56%. So... um, 
I can't believe. No, I, the whole time, of course, I of course I knew it was Russia. And I, I told him, we can't have any meddling. We can't do, I just, we got to just keep going with this clip here. Meddling, we can't have any of that. Now, look, oh my God. we're also living in a grown-up world. Yeah. Will a strong statement, you know, President Obama supposedly made a strong statement. Nobody heard it. What they did hear <laughs> is the statement he made to uh, Putin's very close friend, and that statement was not acceptable. Uh, didn't get very much play, relatively speaking, but that statement was not acceptable. But I let him know we can't have this. We're not going to have it. No, you didn't. And that's the way it's going to be. You did not do that. In the press conference, standing right next to him, you had a whole presser about how you don't believe your intelligence. You don't understand how uh, it, it would be Russia. You didn't think it would be. You questioned your intelligence agency, your your various intelligence organizations, to the point where you said, I still want to know what happened to Hillary's emails. You said this. During that press conference, you said this. What happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? 33,000 emails, gone, just gone. I think in Russia they wouldn't be gone so easily. I think it's a disgrace that we can't complimenting get Russia. 33,000 emails. That's what you said. And then you also talked, and then you said this. I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And now, so if you didn't believe it, why wouldn't you say he was extremely strong and powerful in his denial? Of course, it's bullshit. We know this because my intelligence is the best in the world. And I've been saying this for a long time. I know that he's had right. You could have said it right to his face. You could have said, listen, I, I get that he's denying it. We have a lot of evidence that says otherwise. Quite frankly, we have way too much evidence. Too much evidence. He should have done that. But no, he he was a pussy. You know, he should have grabbed himself. I mean, that's how much of a pussy he was on Monday, right in front of Vladimir Putin. Then he comes back on Tuesday and he starts to grow a set. And then on Wednesday, oh no, the whole time, I knew it the whole time. No, you didn't. It, this, is, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable for a sitting president to do this. I have never in my life seen anything like this. You probably never will again. Well, you will as long as Trump is in office. But after that, you never will see this again. You're never going to see anything like it. Look, I, I wasn't a big fan of Obama, and I was certainly not a big fan of George W. Bush. But I would take either one of those guys in a heartbeat in the White House right now over this guy. I think I'm at that stage in the process where I'm just in denial about this. Like, I cannot believe that this is happening. I, I really think I've vibrated into a parallel universe, into the multiverse. I'm on a parallel earth right now where things are just not quite right. And I mean, they're actually way off, like way off where this is acceptable. When I was in my teen years or 20s, when I started doing this show back in 2000, I could have never imagined. I mean, the biggest scandal going at the time was the fact that the president that was in office slept with someone that wasn't his wife, got blowies uh, in the Oval Office from an intern. And look, you know, I'm not saying that what, what Bill Clinton did was right, but I mean, you know, can you imagine if he pulled this crap? Well, he kind of did, I guess. I don't know. Let me just clarify. When I said I did not have sexual relations with that woman, I meant that I did have sexual relations with that woman. I just wanted to clarify that. And it depends on what the definition of is, isn't. That's what I meant to say. Those are my clarifications for you. So uh, when I said uh, when I said that I, I didn't sleep with that woman, Hillary, I, I meant that I did. You just misheard me. You just misunderstood my comments. I don't. I don't know.
like a bad soap opera, this whole thing. Man, this is a Netflix show. I, I'd want this the goddamn series to be over. It just goes on and on. You're stuck watching it. All right. Uh, well, look, I got more coming up and not about this stuff. I'm tired of it. I mean, I want to see what's going to happen tomorrow, and I don't want to see what's going to happen tomorrow at the same time. I'd love to go to Mars. I really would. Um, We'll be back. The last bastion for common sense. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com That's ESPN's award show that has just wrapped up while I was recording this. And I kind of tuned over to it from time to time here during the break. And so much for the fun-filled Escape from Reality Sports Channel. So much for their fun little award show. Man, this thing was serious as all hell. And I'm not saying that some of this stuff doesn't need to be addressed, but maybe I'm wrong on this. And uh, I guess you'll probably tell me that I am. I fully expect it. But I like my TV compartmentalized. I like news to stay on news channels. I like sports to stay on sports channels. And I like uh, whatever the hell USA is doing now. I I like them to do whatever the hell they're doing. Um, I just like my channels to be kind of separate and I like my parts of life to, when I want to escape from all the nonsense I want to be able to turn on a sports channel and escape from reality um, now I, I will give you a few of these things that they had tonight for example they have Jim Kelly up there he got the Johnny V award now Jim Kelly for those of you that don't know he was a obviously former professional athlete he was in the Super Bowl this guy top of his game for a while 25 30 years ago and just uh, an amazing player, an amazing person, has had cancer three times now. He has beaten it back now. It has cost him, certainly. He has uh, lost his teeth. His ability to speak has certainly been hampered by that and other things. And I mean, it's just ravaged his body. You would not know that he was a professional athlete. I mean, he's, you know, but he has survived it. And it's a great story for anybody that has had cancer or is going through it. It is a, a tremendous story. So that's great. Now, I'll give you one of these stories in an award show. I'm okay with one or two of these types of things, especially because it relates to sports. It's actually a pretty uplifting story, um, and it's, 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 a good, uh, it's good stuff, okay? I'm fine with that. Then they bring out, for Coach of the Year, they have three coaches from Parkland, 
from the uh, high school in Parkland, Florida that was shot up uh, earlier this year, back in February. All right, you know, I, I get it. I understand that. Although, when you start doing that, then I... I immediately, my brain, because I'm kind of cynical about this stuff, I immediately go, well, imagine the meeting they must have had to bring this out there. Oh, how can we get involved in this story? And then I thought, why not bring out some of the victims from the Las Vegas mass shooting, from the Mandalay Bay situation, the the Route 91 Harvest Festival? Why not bring those people out there? Uh, You know, the largest mass shooting in the history of the country, 58 people dead, hundreds of people injured. Why didn't they call attention to that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and then, so now it's getting really heavy. So this is starting to feel like a, a downer of an award show. And again, I didn't watch the whole thing, but this is just some of the stuff I, I've been seeing. Then I saw 140 women were on stage, and these are all the women that Larry Nasser sexually assaulted over the years at Michigan State. Now, again, I understand it. I get it. And I think it's incredibly brave of these women to get up on stage like this and say basically give a giant middle finger to Larry Nasser and saying you know what we are stronger we have we're together we know uh we've been through this we know what you did we're looking in the camera at you while you're behind bars you know what great for them that's fine for ESPN it looked kind of weird i mean this is not this has suddenly become not my escape from sports. And I know people are going to say, well, Mike, these people have gone, all of these individuals have gone through a lot. Who are you to I'm not, I'm saying I'm fine with it. I'm fine with giving people accolades and, and acknowledging people for their bravery and their strength and overcoming the adversity. And that's fine. It's just, I'm not looking for that on a Wednesday night. I'm not looking for that while I'm trying to escape from the reality of 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 a guy, of a president that may have committed treason, uh, the potential of wars and famine and death and all this other nonsense that's going on. When I turn, turn over to sports, and if you're going to do a fun little award show, uh, how about you keep it as a funsy award show, which is what it used to be. And now it's become this thing, which, of course, I know why they do it. I get it. Do you think ESPN cares about 140 women sexually assaulted? Do you think that they care about coaches at Parkland, Florida? Do you even think they care about Jim Kelly and his cancer? No, they care about the bottom line, the bottom line, which is the dollar. I get that, but it did feel weird. You have to at least be able to step back and go, geez, I turn on ESPN and they're talking about women getting raped. That's weird. (laughs) <laughs> that's just that's very strange. Now, from again, from the perspective of Jim Kelly, from the perspective of the coaches, from the perspective of these women, very brave, awesome job on their part, coming out there and just and facing it and and saying, you know what, we're we're still here, we're still kicking, we're still going on with life. Life continues, and we're stronger now. Uh, that's inspirational. And I, I guess on a sports channel, it's it, there is certainly something to be said about inspiration. That, that does permeate into the sports world. So, yes, I do get it partially. But don't expect me to sit there and go, yeah, this isn't a little, this is kind of weird. <laughs> it just is. All right. So speaking of kind of weird and disgusting stories, and it's uh, somewhat related to what we were just talking about. MGM Resorts, they're the company that owns about half of the Las Vegas Strip, including the Mandalay Bay, where Stephen Paddock shot all those people last October. Uh, They are now suing about a thousand of the victims of the mass shooting. You heard me correctly. They are suing 
around 1,000 of the victims, some of whom are suing them uh, for their injuries and their deaths of their family members or for emotional distress or whatever. They're turning around and suing people. It's their claim that they have no liability because they took all the proper counterterrorism or anti-terrorism security measures necessary. They have the technology that they installed and the manpower. And they're also claiming that they're immune anyway under the Safety Act, which was passed post 9-11, which among the many things that it does, it's, uh, it limits the liability uh, to only cover the third party that provided the security and the technology to said location. So anybody that, uh, so they could, all these litigants could go after the security company, but they can't go after MGM and Mandalay Bay. Well, of course, many lawyers are saying that's just disgusting. And besides that, how dare you sue the victims of this mass shooting? And it does look pretty bad, doesn't it? Nothing Nothing like a little PR by going out and suing victims of a mass shooting. That really makes you look good. The heartless casino looks even more heartless after all of that. Uh, and I understand they're doing it because they want to get this into the court system faster. They want a judge to rule on this. Lawyers are accusing them of judge shopping. Uh, this is a story that's not going to be going away anytime soon. Of course, MGM has taken a hit on social media, too. I mean, people are just calling them out left and right, which they should. It's disgusting. Wouldn't you just say, look, we can't possibly afford to pay out 2,500 litigants. And the Safety Act says they don't have to pay out 2,500 litigants. It has to be consolidated into one suit, it's kind of like a class action suit. But if a judge rules against them, well, then all bets are off. And, you know, they could be sued by 2,500 people. Now, they're facing all these different lawsuits for the various things that I mentioned um, and probably more. But the public relations nightmare behind this, wouldn't you just get out there right after it happened and say, this is just the biggest tragedy in the history of Las Vegas and in the country. We feel for the victims. And I know that they did that to some degree, but I would be doing that every day. And I know it makes you look like you're liable, but in some ways you are. I mean, how do you not notice this guy staying in your hotel? How do you not notice somebody bringing up... Uh, 21 or 23, 24 guns, whatever he had, and all the ammunition that he brought, thousands of rounds of ammunition. How is your response time so small? And of course, you know, again, it's there's a lot of conspiratorialist stuff involved behind this too. But even if you take that out of the equation, I just, you know, there is obviously some culpability. I, I don't think any judge or any juror that's worth their weight wouldn't say that there's at least some culpability to, on the part of Mandalay Bay and MGM for all this. But to sue the victims, even if it's your intention just to get this into the courts faster and to get this away from your company's name faster, which is just as bad, really. I mean, holy crap. I know. I'm not thinking like a CEO. I'm not even thinking like the head of PR here. I'm, I'm just thinking like a human being. So that's probably why I'll never be a CEO or even the uh, I'd make a terrible PR person, too, I'm sure. Because it's hard, it would be hard for me to spin this in any other way other than, yeah, we look like a disgusting piece of crap company. And we're taking a beating on social media. We're taking a beating in columns all around the country right now. We look like a terrible bunch of people. So that is, <laughs> MGM has got some problems right now. I'm not sure if their problems pale in comparison with Google, who just got hit with an antitrust fine by the European Union of $5 billion dollars. Uh, they say that 
among other things, Google with their Google Play Store, their Android, all this other stuff that they've got going on. Google basically violates all antitrust and monopoly laws that are in place across Europe. And it's a little bit hard to argue, except for the fact that they do kind of have competition. You know, this little thing called the iPhone, uh, they certainly have a, a competition there. Apple, the uh, with iTunes and their their app store. I mean, sure. I don't know. I think there's competition. Uh, there isn't much competition, but hey, at least that's something. I guess anybody could come along theoretically and design their own operating system for a smartphone. Certainly it's possible. Um, not very feasible. It's not like internet service providers where it's impossible to start a new ISP or basically impossible because of the infrastructure that exists. The smartphone world, you could theoretically come along and create a new uh, operating system of some kind. Remember, the iPod, when it came out, didn't have any competition, and Microsoft decided to get in on it, and uh, they created the Zune. Remember how well that worked out? Uh, where's my laugh track for that? There we go. Okay, so maybe there is something to the antitrust uh, that's out there. I'm just amazed that Google is facing so much criticism now. Remember when it started, how cool it was, and Google was viewed as the innovator. They were the anti-corporate, and now they're viewed as the bad guys. It's very weird. Now, Google says they're going to appeal this decision. Obviously, when you're facing a $5 billion sanction, you, you probably are going to go ahead and appeal that. Here's the weird part about this, and this is from the article. In its decision, the EU pointed to Apple, Google's Firecast competitor in the smartphone market, saying the smartphone maker did not sufficiently constrain Google. So it's essentially Apple's fault because they didn't provide proper competition. They they did not step up their game. Google did. And um, the EU says, yeah, well, Apple wasn't able to do it. So since Apple wasn't able to properly compete, I'm sorry, Google, we're going to have to we're going to have to rope you in. We're going to have to level out the playing field because uh, you're just uh, better than Apple. That doesn't even make any sense. Like they just said, there is competition. It's just that the competition is inferior. So what we're going to do is because you're doing so much better than them, we're going to drop a sanction on you. Sorry. Sorry that you did better. Sorry that you made better business decisions. We're going to go ahead and, uh, and fine you for it. But again, why am I surprised? It's the EU, and they do things a lot differently over there. And I understand the need for antitrust laws. We had to break up the telecom company. The you know, old Ma Bell had to be broken up back in the 70s and early 80s because there's one set of telephone lines. There was no ability for any company to reasonably come in and compete uh, because you would have had to use the phone lines that were owned by the one telephone company. Now, uh, you have... All these different cell phone providers, although that's going away too very slowly. They're all merging together. And then pretty soon, we're probably only going to have two. We're going to have Verizon and Sprint T-Mobile or whatever the hell, Sprint Mobile. Whatever they decided, it's Sprint T. Uh, and that's pretty much going to be it before too much longer. Uh, AT&T, I guess, whatever. Uh, but it's, it's all going to come down to two, maybe three cell providers. And that's all. And there's not going to be any way that any other company can come in. Just like with ISPs right now, in many markets, you've got one choice, maybe two. Here in Phoenix, you have CenturyLink and Cox. 
You know, in other markets, you might have CenturyLink and Comcast. Some markets, you only have Comcast or Time Warner, and that's it. That's that's your only real option. And so, obviously, their net neutrality and all that coming in and, or going away now, the competition in the internet market is going to be going away also. And you can expect to see some pretty crazy stuff being done by ISPs before too much longer. Uh, so I do get why antitrust laws are important and why they're there, but... When it comes to search engines and when it comes to, uh, you know, operating systems for a smartphone, that is a market that could still be taken over by anybody else. It's just that right now Google has the foothold and they should. They, they've earned it just like Apple has earned their niche in the market as well. All right, let's see what else is going on here. Oh, I didn't even talk about this. Normally, this would have been a big story. And I meant to talk about it earlier, but of course, everything that happened in the first segment, all the wild stuff we were getting to, uh, this this is unbelievable to me in and of itself. So the Treasury Department has now basically made it easier for anonymous foreign donors to funnel money via nonprofit organizations to campaigns. Think about this. Uh, the very problem that we've been talking about for most of the first segment of this show, the first half hour of this show, where we talked about you know Trump and, and Russia and all the, all the money trail that was going on there and the Bitcoins being funneled in, the Treasury Department has actually made it easier for foreign governments to come in and have an influence over our elections. And they're doing that because they're going to turn off the scrutiny that they put on these nonprofit organizations and the people that donate to said nonprofit organizations. Typically, yeah, that would be a really big story. That's a big deal. But on a day like today, it's kind of just a middle-of-the-road story. It's just one of those things that gets a casual mention because, well, there's too much other stuff. But if you, So if you think that there won't be influence coming into other campaigns, and I'm not just talking about the President of the United States either, Obviously, that's the big one that's top of mind right now for very obvious reasons. But other campaigns could be influenced by this as well because the Treasury has said, yeah, you know, we're going to go ahead and turn a blind eye to the nonprofits, the nonprofit outfits and who is donating to them and then who those nonprofit organizations are giving their money to for, for whatever campaign. So, you know, whenever the government closes a door, it always opens a window, I guess. And this is just another way to get dirty money into various campaigns. And so if you don't think that we need some sort of clean elections, and if you think we don't need to clean up exactly how it is that campaigns are handled in this country, and I said this on the last show, I will continue to say this. I may not agree with a lot of things that Bernie Sanders says, but one thing that uh, I am in 100% agreement with, and that is that the system is broken and that there needs to be a serious overhaul in how campaigns are, are dealt with and how much money can be raised by whom and through what means and getting rid of these super PACs and all this other nonsense. I mean, this is just uh, this is just another example. This should never happen in the United States. The Treasury should not be able to just turn around and go, ah, you know what, foreign, uh, foreign governments or whoever wants to, foreign donors can just go ahead and give money uh, to any nonprofit, and then that nonprofit can just turn around and give however much they want to a specific uh, candidate. And we're not going to vet that. We're not going to take a look at that. It's fine. You know, all those rules and regulations that the Federal Election Committee has set forth, yeah, whatever. 
What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong with a foreign government donating to a nonprofit, which then donates it to? I mean, the nonprofit just ostensibly becomes the middleman. And I mean, this is like um, this is some organized crime crap. This is crazy. I, I just can't even believe this right now. And the timing of this policy change is weird, too. Of course, it occurred just hours after the indictments were brought against 12 Russian intelligence officials. And then suddenly the Treasury says, oh, you know, uh, well, since you've shut us down there, I guess what we'll do is we'll just change it so you can funnel in as much money from a foreign entity as you want. As long as it's, you know, a nonprofit, you know, if, if it goes through a nonprofit, we're not going to go ahead and take a look into that. We're not going to investigate that anymore. When I think about this story, I can just imagine doing this show 10 years ago. And if someone had plopped this story in front of me and instead of the United States, it said Columbia, I would have said, oh, yeah, there you go. Typical Columbia, typical mob ruled, cartel ruled Columbia, old third world Columbia doing what it always does. The richest people, the most powerful people making all the rules. And it's essentially a dictatorship. Now, of course, it's 2018. This is happening in the United States of America and probably a guy like me doing a show similar to this, maybe in Canada goes, eh, there you go. Typical Typical United States, because it's starting to look like it. We're starting to look like one of those third world cartel ruled nations. One of those nations that's ruled by a, a dictatorship or an oligarch or some sort of uh, something like that. It, it's very weird. This is uh, I just can't emphasize enough how much I feel like I'm living in the twilight zone when I look at stories like this. And I really have to believe there are other people that feel like I do, that this has just gone way too far. And if you've listened to me over the years, you have heard me transition from the sort of conservatarian, uh, the combination sort of conservative libertarian guy, the social liberal fiscal conservative that I have been uh, to sort of more just in the middle of the road. And of course, I know some of you have noticed this because I, I have a piece of what I'm going to call borderline hate mail about this that I'll read in the next segment where somebody calls me out and basically says that I sound like a, a hard left guy now, that I might as well join Bernie Sanders, um, which is ridiculous in itself. I am not, I'm just not a partisan person. I'm not conservative. I don't think of myself as liberal. I do have liberal views, absolutely. And I do have a few conservative views, sure. But I like to think of myself as living in what I call the new fringe, and that's the middle here where I look at what's going on in government and I don't see left and right. I just see right and wrong. And I'm seeing more wrong than right. A lot more wrong. And it's not just from Trump and it's not just from the Trump administration. Although right now, because that's the party that's in power, it's a lot of the Trump administration. Don't get me wrong. Wasn't a big fan of Obama. Wasn't a big fan of George W. Bush. You know, but I can at least say that those two guys, I think their intentions were good. Whether or not, well, not entirely, but I think at least their intentions were better than what's in this, what's going on now. And it's important to note that other presidents have done some messed up things. I mean, we talk about uh, Obama with the random drone strikes and killing so many innocent people and George W. Bush and the war in Iraq and all of that nonsense. And Bill Clinton with the with the interns and the and, you know, look, I, Everybody has their scandals and their seedy behavior. Everybody has made mistakes. I'm not talking about that. I mean, we're talking about if that was all that Trump did, if it was just like more continuation of the of the foreign crap that goes on, the 
military operations that seem to be fighting boogeymen, which, of course, he is doing. We're still talking about fighting an idea in ISIS and Al-Qaeda and all this other nonsense, which, of course, Trump claims we've defeated, which is laughable. But anyway, don't tell that to the people of Israel that are attacked every day by uh, terrorists. Anyway, uh, if it was just that, you could just it would be a normal conversation that we'd be having. But that's the least of our problems in this country right now. That is why this is the way it is. And I feel like I've been saying this now for 17 or 18 years because I kind of have. I mean, this isn't going to change until people want it to. And your first opportunity, well, your next opportunity is in November. And I'm not saying you vote Democrat or Republican. I'm saying you vote out all of the incumbents. I say you get rid of everybody that's in there right now. People that are making the decisions now are making bad decisions. And it doesn't matter what party they're associated with. But whatever. It's beating a dead horse at this point. It really is. Um, I don't know. I, I wanted to talk about different stuff today. But this is important stuff, so we can't ignore it. And can't Trump just shut his mouth for 24 hours? I'd be happy if that happened. If he just didn't tweet or didn't communicate for 24 hours. Maybe just had a moratorium on himself. We could talk about something else. I miss talking about shark attacks. That's how bad it's got. I miss, I miss, uh, I miss the days where Glenn Beck was crying on his radio show. Uh, that's what we made fun of. I wonder if he is crying. I, I have been listening to the conservative shows, and it's weird how they spin Meister for this guy. Anyway, I'm still talking about it. Hey, I'm going to take a break. We'll switch directions when we continue. You're listening to The Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com Why does it always seem to be me looking at you with you looking at me? It's always the same. Famous Michael Groff Show on a Wednesday, July 18th, 2018. We've actually trickled over into Thursday. So it's a show so large you can't contain it on one day, folks. Well, let's see. Uh, Here's some uplifting news. A fissure has opened up at the Grand Teton National Park, just 60 miles from the Yellowstone Volcano promoting officials to immediately shut down the area. According to a spokesperson for the Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming, it is not known how long the closure will last. The Hidden Falls and Inspiration Point area are currently closed due to elevated potential for rockfall. The Hidden Falls is is a 100-foot high waterfall near the eastern end of Cascade Canyon and Inspiration Point is a stop on a trek overlooking Jenny Lake and I've never been there but um, these pictures I mean it just it looks fantastic I'm sure this time of year it is a wonderful place to be because uh, well 
any place that is not 103 degrees with insane humidity like we've had here lately uh, has got to be better. So even a place that has a super volcano underneath. And of course, scientists, as they note here, are still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with the the super volcano that sits under Yellowstone. You know, the one that has not erupted in 600,000 years and is due to go off anytime, they tell us. And we know as soon as that thing goes off, it'll destroy everything within about a 200-mile radius. The plain states will be covered in ash, and life as we know it will change. Luckily, I don't think any of us are going to be alive for this. I watch these documentaries on super volcanoes, and I, I just sit there, I watch this stuff from time to time, and then I, I get kind of lost in this, and I, I just think, man, I, I wonder when that's going to happen and what that would look like. I mean, it would be really cool to see. I mean, if you're going to go out, if you're if you're going to check off of this planet, that's probably the way to do it. Watching that super volcano just explode and just take everything with it. That's got to be a fun way to go. That's just like my other way that I'd want to go. And that is if there is nuclear war, which just seems so much more likely right now, doesn't it? Uh, if that ever did happen and I knew a nuke was coming my way, I'm not going to run and hide. I'm going to run outside. I'm going to I'm going to try and hug the thing as it's coming in. I'm going to open up my arms and be like, here it is going to run to the center of Phoenix and I am going to give that thing a big old bear hug. That's what I'm going to do. I know these are things I think about. Am I morbid or what? Uh, from that story, we go to Thibodeau, Louisiana, where a a man calls 911 because he's got quite an emergency. He's got to call police to check whether or not he has any warrants out for his arrest. 911, what's your emergency? Oh, uh, yeah, I was just calling to see if I got me any warrants out for my arrest. I've been up to some pretty bad stuff lately. I just got, got to make sure that, you know, there ain't any uh, situation that I'm going to be, because uh, I plan to drive real fast tonight, and I plan to maybe drive drunk. I just got to know that, you know, I ain't going to get hauled off to jail or nothing. According to WGNO, Christian Policios, which sounds like a Italian word for police, uh, 24 years old, was placed, uh, he placed the call at 10 p.m. on July 16th. He reportedly told officers responding to the call that he knew the difference between an emergency call and a non-emergency call. Policios is now charged with unlawful use of the 911 system. The violation carries a fine of up to $500 and 30 days in jail. Someone ought to tell this guy, you could do a background check on yourself. Like, you can actually look up yourself online and find, well, <laughs> then again. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. What website I got to go? The only ones I know is Pornhub, and I know about uh, that Nude Vista and uh, and X videos. That's all, I got. That's all I know about. Yeah, it's not on one of those sites, but uh, you know what? Never mind. Uh, anyway, um, you know, it's been a while since we've gotten to do this feature on the show. And we actually have email, and it's, I don't know if I'd call it hate mail, but let's just, here, let's do it anyway. Here we go. Groffshow at gmail.com is our email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. We read the love. We read the hate. Whatever you've got to say, you can always send it over there. I do respond to everything, either on air, off air, whatever, including the death threats. So you can always send those in. Um, you know, the last few correspondence I've received via email, at least I'd say out of the last 10 that I've gotten, about seven or eight 
kind of read like this. It's weird. Mike, I've been listening to you since 2005. Your show was so different from all the rest. Uh, with, with information, weird guests, and co-hosts, your crappy covers. Oh, my God. So bad, but so good. Your podcast shows have been good, too. But remember, the real answer always comes after the but. But I have definitely noticed a big change. In 2005, and maybe even up until around 2009 or 10, you were a fairly conservative dude. You may have been for legalizing marijuana or gay marriage, but just about everything else that had to do with taxes, the government, or finances, it seemed like you definitely were the conservative or with the conservative ideas, and I liked that. Now, over the last several years, you have changed, and it seems like you pretty much do nothing but bag on the Republicans. All right. Not saying you never made fun of Bush or those guys back in the 2000s, but now it seems like you only go after them. You used to criticize Obama, but you don't do that anymore. You used to have, you used to hate Hillary, and it sounds like you still don't like her, but you just can't stand Trump or the Republicans now. Don't get me wrong, Trump is an asshole, but he doesn't represent all conservatives or libertarians. I heard you say you thought a, quote, baseline health care system for everyone was a good idea. Damn, dude, who are you? Who is going to pay for that? I may not like all the bullshit Trump does, but I'll reluctantly take him over Obama any day of the week. It's not just the politics either. The whole show seems different. You rant less, go off on some weird tangents, and don't do the funny stuff like the crappy covers bit anymore. Why not? I loved your rants and personal stories. I'm still listening. I just think it's strange for a guy to change so much in such a relatively short time, Rick. All right, let me just go through and address some of these points here real quick. Um, first of all, thank you for listening since 2005. That's awesome. Uh, you know, we do have a lot of that, those old school listeners. And... Um, I mean, thanks for saying that my podcasts are good, but, you know, it's always the real answer comes after the but. But I, I've i definitely noticed a big change. Well, in 2005, when you started listening, I was 27 years old. I mean, people change, especially from their 20s to the time they're 40. The change that I've had in my life since my mid-30s till now, the, the revelations that I've had, I'm not even talking political stuff. I'm talking about just the way, you know, lifestyle and, and how to handle things and stress. And it's all changed. And, you know, it sounds like you're around my age. And I, I'm sure you know that. Anyway, he says in 2005, maybe even up until 2009 or 10, you were a fairly conservative dude. Yeah, you know what? I may have been a little bit more... Well, I used to describe myself back in the mid-2000s is kind of a conservatarian, sort of the combination libertarian-conservative um, with what I always called a liberal streak. You know, yes, I've always been for gay marriage. I've always been for legalizing marijuana. I've always been like, just leave people alone and who cares what they put in their body. And you know what? I, I have shifted toward the middle and maybe to you that seems like a radical shift toward the left. I, I just... I don't identify with the libertarians anymore because I don't even recognize their party. 
You know, after guys like Gary Johnson blew it, and after, I don't know, just after seeing the way they conduct themselves now. And I, frankly, my ideals, yeah, they, they do vary at least some with them. Yeah, you know, I, I've changed a little bit, I guess. Anyway, um, what else does he say here? Now, over the last several years, you have... Uh, it, it seems that you pretty much do nothing but bag on the Republicans. Well, I mean, they're the party in power right now. They control the House, the Senate, the Supreme Court, the White House. I mean, when the Democrats controlled everything, I, I bagged on the Democrats. I mean, they're the party in power. I mean, I still make fun of the Democrats. Don't get me wrong. They're they're just as bad. They're just not in, not in any position to do anything about it. Uh, not saying you never made fun of Bush or the guys back in the 2000s. Well, thank you for at least acknowledging that. Yes, I, I used to make fun of Bush quite a bit. You used to criticize Obama, but don't do that anymore, he says. Well, uh, he's not in power now. I mean, Obama is out of the White House. I mean, this is something that conservatives need to learn is that Hillary is no longer around. Obama's not around anymore. It's time to turn the page. You know, just like I used to tell the conservatives back in 2001 and 2 and 3 when they would blame Clinton for everything that went on. You know, you got to turn the page. You know, Bush was in charge. Um, and the Democrats, I told them, you know, I, it's like Obama used to blame Bush. I came in with a, a very uh, uh, big mess and uh, George Bush and... Uh, uh, something about economics. Uh, it's all his fault. Uh, even though I have a super majority uh, and can do anything that I pretty much want to do, uh, it's really still uh, George Bush's fault and the Republicans. And it's it's not. It wasn't the Republicans' fault. If you have a super majority like Obama did, I mean, you know, he didn't get past uh, the measures that he wanted to get past. And somebody brought this up a long time ago, and I think this is a great analogy. It's like... A new office manager. Okay, say you have an you, you have an office that was just run like garbage and everything is in disarray and you hire a brand new office manager. And they've been working there about a year to clean up the mess from the previous management, okay? And they still haven't done it. I mean, at some point you have to hold the new office manager responsible, even no matter how much of a mess the old person made. You have to see progress and, you know, with the Obama administration, it took a long time to even see any progress at all. And I would argue that in some ways, uh, when it came to his health care system, I mean, he wanted to pass a, a health care system and he passed some watered down bull crap that even his own party didn't like. And he could have passed anything that he wanted because he had a super majority. You know, he was for people that say that he was a strong leader. He in that regard, he certainly was not. So. I, I call him as I see him, guys. I mean, you know, Obama did things. He did a few good things. He did some bad things. Bush did a few good things. He did bad things. Trump has done nothing good so far. Not not a damn thing. Sorry. Well, as soon as he does, like, I, I gave him partial credit. Like, maybe a quarter credit for the meeting with Kim Jong-un. You know, because nobody else had ever done that. It was historic. Okay, that's fine. Other than that, I can't, I, I really can't think of anything good. You know, oh, well. 
whatever. Anyway, so that's uh, that's the yes. And I, I, on everything else, I've changed a bit. You know what happens? You know when I started doing this show, you have to understand. I started doing this show. I was 22 years old. You know that was 18 years ago. I started doing this show. Uh, next Tuesday is the 18 year anniversary of when I officially launched my internet station. I had been dabbling for almost a year before that, but I officially launched it 24 seven. Um, on the 24th of July, on 724, I launched the 24-7 station that was you know called KMGX back then and did my nighttime show and all that uh, starting in September on a regular basis. I, you know, September of 2000, I started doing this. So, you know, I was, uh, I was a much different person back then. I was still in college back then. You know, a lot has changed between now and then. My life, I've gone through a lot of uh, life experiences. Things have changed. People change. Opinions change. Um, I would not call myself a, 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 a tree-hugging liberal or a blowhard conservative. Maybe I am. Maybe I am a tree-hugging liberal. I don't know. I don't think of myself that way. I just have opinions. Whatever those opinions happen to be and whatever they happen to align with, I like to just think of them as a common-sense approach to things. Anyway, so that's the email. And your feedback is always encouraged, positive, negative, or otherwise. I'll respond. Anyway, it's time for the song of the day. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Song of the day. This song was number one on the rock chart a couple of weeks ago. It is now down to number two. But great song nonetheless. I hadn't heard from these guys for a long time up until this came out. It's Godsmack. This is Bulletproof. It's a zip code famous Michael Graff Show song of the day. Contemplating, isolating, and it's stressing me out. Different visions, contradictions, why won't you let me out?
fact, that's the title track from Bulletproof right here on the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show Song of the Day. And you know how it works around here. From one feature, we very smoothly transition into another. And here we go. Who gives a fuck? It's the news that the media wastes valuable newsprint, megabytes, and airtime reporting. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? And the only question we're left asking is... Who gives a fuck? It's our ongoing efforts to expand the demographics of this program, and that's why I present to you the stories that I may not necessarily care about, and some of you in this audience may not either. But obviously a lot of people do, because they're making the rounds all over the various media outlets. They're a ubiquitous part of the culture, music news, entertainment news, all this stuff that normally we'd skim over. We fit it right here into this fine segment. Uh, it's been the year of the reboot. Actually, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of reboots in movies, on TV. In fact, this fall lineup that's coming up uh, looks a lot like, um, kind of like the TV lineup from 1980-something. You got Magnum P.I., you got Murphy Brown. You would have had Roseanne, except for the fact that Roseanne was stupid. So now you're going to have the Connors. And we didn't really talk about the whole Roseanne thing on the show, and I'm not going to get into it, but, man, you talk about much ado about nothing. Jesus Christ. Anyway, Roseanne, uh, the, the Connors are coming back. I don't know how they're going to kill off Roseanne on the show or how they're going to mention she's not there. I, My proposal is they kill her off. They say that she got killed off by a swarm of monkeys. I think that would be apropos. Anyway... Or apes. But uh, in spirit of all these reboots, guess what else is coming back? And I did not see this one coming. She-Ra, the princess of power. Yeah, she's coming back. And uh, they have some pictures here, some screenshots of what She-Ra looks like in this new show. And uh, she doesn't look like the She-Ra princess of power from the 80s. She looks like She-Ra... The teenage girl, girl with a short haircut. Like some anime drawing. It, it looks weird. It's very strange, but I don't know. It's, you know, that new animation style. I'm not saying the 80s animation style was the best, but I'd take that Masters of the Universe He-Man-esque drawing anytime over whatever the hell this is. It looks looks very strange. I don't know anything about the show, any of the details of it. Um, I don't know if uh, He-Man will be making an appearance on the show. Well, they already tried to bring that back once. Back in 2002, I remember they brought back He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And that uh, that didn't turn out so well. Probably because the voice actor that did He-Man back then was very, uh, very metro. I don't, I don't think of He-Man as a metro guy. I don't know. Anyway, that's not the only thing that's coming back. You've got Rugrats coming back as well. Apparently, there's a... The series is coming back for a 26-episode series. And that's not all. Apparently, there will be a Rugrats movie in 2020. Uh, it could be a live-action movie. Or it could be one of those that... Yeah, they do like CGI babies or something. I hope they don't do that. That would be weird. Now, I was a little bit too old to really get into Rugrats because it started in 1991. But I think some of you that are just a little bit younger in the audience probably grew up watching that. I know. I mean, I watched it because I did a lot of babysitting in the mid, late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, that show was on forever and ever. It's 
kind of a weird show. Like a lot of shows, it, yeah, sure, it was for kids, but there was a lot of adult references in there. There was a lot of stuff that could keep parents interested. I, I, I don't know. It really wasn't my whole thing, but uh, so that's that. You know, speaking of Roseanne, I guess I'll throw this out there. Um, Roseanne has, apparently she's begging Jerry Seinfeld for a job. You know, after everything that's happened, Jerry Seinfeld has always been one of those guys that's kind of sympathetic to people. Who cares what she said? Who cares? So, so what if she's racist? Michael Richards is racist. Who cares? He really did stand by Michael Richards, which I thought was an interesting gesture, especially considering that meltdown. That seems like it happened a lifetime ago. That was back in 2007, I think, that Michael Richards uh, didn't take to heckling too well. <laughs> uh, and then Jerry Seinfeld stood by Louis C.K., so I guess he's got to stand by Roseanne, right? I mean, they're friends or friendly. He said some nice things about her after the whole Twitter meltdown. So I, I kind of expect him to have uh, her on his show. Comedians, what's the name of his show again? Something like Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I don't know. Anyway, um, he wants to, she wants to share her side of the story. And so I think Jerry Seinfeld's going to give her an opportunity to do that. So that's a very weird story, but eh, why not? I think it's fascinating when somebody commits career suicide like that. And there's some people that are Teflon, man. They're just, they're impervious to it. I mean, Donald Trump's impervious to it. It doesn't matter what he does. He's had people that have stood, and I'm not just talking about his presidency. I mean, he's said some outrageous things over the years. He's not the only one. There's a lot of guys that have done some weird, weird crap and said some strange things, and yet they're still around. So... Lay's, Lay's potato chips. Well, not just, I mean, they're they're making all sorts of different chip flavors these days. So they're having a do us a flavor contest. So they're going to have, uh, you know, they've had things like crispy taco, chicken and waffle chips and all that stuff. But now they're going to roll out a bunch of new flavors, it looks like. Uh, regionally, I think. Their new flavor offerings include things like Deep dish pizza, lobster roll for the people in the Northeast, uh, fried pickles with ranch, Midwest, Cajun spice, Gulf Coast, pimento cheese in the South, Thai sweet chili in the Pacific Northwest, chili con queso here in the Southwest, and crab spice on the Atlantic Coast. Uh, those do not sound like appealing chip flavors. You know, I've, I've tried to have some of those other ones. I mean, anything beyond barbecue tastes weird. Um, so I don't think I'll be sampling those, but um, you should look for those sometime in the very near future. Lay's will be testing those out. The CW is rolling out yet another show centered around the DC universe, as if they don't have enough of those already. This time it's going to be Batwoman. And I'm a little bit worried about this show. You know how I feel about shows that are a little bit too preachy or social justice-y. Again, I don't mind a one-off version of that. I don't mind a show that every once in a while has got a message. That's that's fine. But when that's all the show is, 
that's no good. And and when I read the description of this show, I'm well, I'm concerned. It says <clears throat> Batwoman revolves around Kate Kane, who, armed with a passion for social justice and flair for speaking her mind, soars onto the streets of Gotham as Batwoman, an out lesbian and trained street fighter. Prime to snuff out the failing city's criminal resurgence. But don't call her a hero just yet. In a city desperate for a savior, Kate must overcome her own demons before embracing the call to be Gotham's symbol of hope. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm a little bit worried that it's going to focus a lot on the armed with a passion for social justice and a flair for speaking her mind. Rather than the out lesbian part, which I, I'm cool with, the highly trained street fighter part, I'm all cool with, snuffing out crime, cool, fighting your own demons, great, the social justice garbage, I, I'm not so sure about how that's going to play out. Batwoman, please unshackle me from the 15% pay gap that I'm experiencing from my male oppressors. Is that going to be one of the plot lines of the show? I mean, what what exactly, how, I don't know. I worry about shows like this, definitely. Oh, well. Um, Netflix says that their stock has plummeted as a result of poorer than expected growth during the first quarter of 2018. They added 5.15 million subscribers but that's well short of the 6.2 million that they had expected. Netflix shares on Monday dropped significantly after the company reported slower than expected subscriber growth. But I mean, adding 5.15 million, that sounds pretty good to me. If they're like me and paying $10 a month, which most people pay more than that, because I've had Netflix forever and ever. But, uh, and I hardly even use it. That's the weird part. But if they're like me, then they're paying 10 bucks a month. That's 51 million bucks, 51 and a half million bucks you just added every month. That ain't bad. But that's well short of what they had anticipated, well short of what the Wall Street Journal had forecast. They added 670,000 subscribers uh, domestically. And that was their weakest quarter in terms of subscriber growth since the first quarter of 2017, when it also missed the forecasts. Well, then here's what you do. Instead of forecasting this massive growth every quarter, if I'm the CEO of Netflix, I'd say, well, this quarter I expect to add one subscriber. What? You expect to add? Yep. I expect to add some guy named Bob in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's it. But that's insane. Yeah, that way when... When the actual numbers come in and you've added 5 million subscribers. Oh, man, we outpaced our forecast by 4,999,999. Pretty good. Yeah, I actually expect to lose $50 million this next quarter. Holy crap. You What? That's insane. We can't lose that kind of money. That would be terrible. And then when you don't, when you come in with anything but losing, even if you lost a million bucks or if you actually gained more money. Well, boy, it looks like that forecast was off. Hey, we did way better than expected. And that's a rule for life, kids. Aim low. Always keep your expectations really low. That way, no matter what, 
everything will exceed them. And that's a good lesson also to learn when it comes to people. Always expect the worst out of people. Expect everyone you meet to be an absolutely horrendous piece of garbage. That way, if they're anything above that, they've out exceeded your expectations and you're happy. I think if I had to say, and again, going back to the topic about how I've changed in my life and my philosophies, how they've changed, I expect everyone to be an asshole. I expect everyone to be a tremendous dick. And then when they're not, I'm like, hey, that's cool. I met someone today that wasn't a horrible person. That's pretty awesome. I feel pretty good about that. If you expect the worst and you get anything that's just even slightly above the worst, let alone something that's mediocre or even good, you're happy. Things have outpaced your expectations. Do that with your friends, your family. Now, of course, it's harder for me because I have a certain standard that I've placed upon people that are closer to me in my life. So when they don't meet that standard, then, of course, yes, I do get disappointed. So it's it's a little bit harder for people that are grandfathered in. But any random people or any new friends that you make, any relationships that you get into, just expect that your relationship is going to fail. Just expect that, you know, you're going to wake up and find, you know, that your lover has run off with somebody else. And that way, every day that they don't, you're like, you know what? This is great. Life is going a lot better than I thought it would. And you're going to find that you're a lot happier. Mike, that's a terrible way to look at things. That's like glass is half empty. No, it isn't. Because unless what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for if someone is a terrible person, you expected them to be. So how can you possibly be disappointed? They met your expectation. Then if they're anything better than a terrible person, they've outpaced your expectation and you're going to be happy. That's how you go through life, folks. I'm a lot happy. My blood pressure, listen, despite the fact that I'm a fat ass, my blood pressure is low. It's like 110 over 66. And you know why? Because I fully anticipate everyone is going to be a douche. So now, curiously enough, there are still politicians that don't even meet my basically lowest possible bar expectation. A lot of, there's a lot of people in Washington that still can't uphold that standard. But other than that, I mean, I find that it is really it's really reshaped my entire philosophy on life. I think if I had to outline something that has changed about me, I just expect everyone is going to be um, an awful person. Think of it this way. With everything that's going on in the world right now, should you really expect anything but the worst? Politically, socially, the way everybody acts, the way just everyone is such a barbarian. With terrorist attacks and with all this stuff going on, every day that there's not a terrorist attack, I go, you know what? Today is a pretty good day. Nobody got blown up today. Not bad. In my humble and accurate opinion, that is the best way to look at things. All right, anyway. There you go. You, you got a life lesson on the show today. This is really a full-service podcast. I don't know why I don't have 500 million listeners. I really don't. I don't understand it. <laughs> Groff Show at gmail.com. That is our email address. 
groffshow at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address for this fine program. So you can donate to us. Remember, if you don't donate to this show, you're essentially stealing it. Um, Michael Groff on Twitter. The Michael Groff Show on Facebook. For everything else Michael Groff related, you go to the one, the only michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can listen to this and previous editions of this program. And um, that's always fun. Also, we are now on iTunes. Yes, we are on the I- we're in the iTunes store, the Michael Graff show. You can get the podcast there. You can get it via TuneIn, the TuneIn app. You can get it off of the Google Play app or the off of the Google, at least until they get shut down for antitrust. I mean, they are paying they're about to pay a five billion dollar fine. It figures I finally get on Google and they get hit with a five billion dollar fine. Maybe they'll close down next week. That would be my luck. Google shuts down. Thanks, Mike. Uh, speaking of shutdown, that's it. We're done. Uh, we'll be back again, I think, tomorrow because this show has bled over into two days. That's fabulous. Good night, everybody. Everybody.